Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Coronavirus, social distancing, COVID 19, self quarantine, shelter in place. In early March, these concepts were completely foreign to us. Now, they're our reality. Like all of us, I'm processing this global pandemic in real time, doing the best I can. And like all of us, I feel utterly helpless at times. I'm not a ventilator manufacturer or an infectious disease scientist or a physician or nurse. Like all of us, I'm trying to figure out what I can do. So as a psychologist, I want to share with you some strategies for managing our emotional state during an uncertain and unprecedented time. I've been thinking about pillars, pillars to get us through a pandemic, and I came up with six. As a bonus, they all start with GR, which makes them easy to remember. And to help me do this, I've invited psychotherapist Kate Lambie to the program. Many of you remember Kate from past episodes, but in case she's new to you, here's a little bit more about Kate. Kate Lambie is a licensed clinical professional counselor and a certified mental health professional in equine-assisted therapy. She works with an array of modalities, including cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy. Kate specializes in trauma, relationship issues, anxiety, depression, and mental health concerns relevant to the LGBTQ community. Kate's here to help me unpack just how these six G's help us manage our emotions and mindset while quarantined. And at the end of the episode, there's a bonus love in the time of Corona Q&A. Kate, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, even from a distance. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time we've recorded together where we had to be remote, unfortunately. But here we are, and thanks to technology, we're still able to connect together and record together. Yes, very, very excited to do so. So I've asked you to come and give your perspective on the psychological, emotional stress, concerns, all of the above regarding COVID-19. It's clearly something that we are all in together. Some are affected more severely, some are affected less severely, depending on their circumstances. But all of us are experiencing essentially a worldwide trauma. And I wanted to talk with you about it because I had had some thoughts from my psychologist mindset. And I know you as a therapist are seeing clients who are struggling with this currently. And I know you're seeing different things come up for them and helping them process that in your practice. So I wanted us to talk shop together and see what we could come up with some strategies and some some help and some support during this time. Great. I'm I'm happy to be here and to help out however I can. So, you know, we were talking and I had come up with six elements of this experience and they all started with GR, which was really not intended, but it kind of <laughs> makes for a nice pithy little 
six G's of COVID-19. So, and I just want to take a second. I think it's such a great thing, a great thing that you've (laughs) put together these five different GR. I just think it's really creative. And I like the GERS. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're bringing a little levity to yes. this situation with the girl. Gr- gr. um, there's six though, Kate. Remember we added a six. Oh, I'm sorry. Day. We did add a six. I'm sorry. Yes, yes we did. Right. To set the tone for this conversation, what I think is happening, but is not always available to our awareness if we're not thinking about it in these terms, but a, a situation like this is so severe and so dramatic and so intense that we are all collectively grieving. The grief is going to be underlying so many of the other emotions that we'll be experiencing, the anxiety, the stress, the depression, the on edge, the irritability, underlying all of that is grief. So what are you seeing in your practice? And and can you speak to that just from the therapeutic realm? Well, I just think it is such an interesting time and especially coming from a Christian faith background and having yesterday be Good Friday and just kind of the parallel of really recognizing grief and the tradition and the ritual of Good Friday is really a form of lamenting. I've really kind of come across that as really a really important part of the grief process. And what lament is, is basically to express sorrow, mourning, or regret, and often demonstratively. If you know just from history and cultures, a lot of cultures have laments in them. A whole bunch of different cultures have their way of grieving. And usually it's with song, it's with poetry. And when I think of this, I think of this in general, just the expressive arts. And so with grief and everything that's happening now with the grief, the frustration, the sadness, the sorrow that we're feeling, now is the best time to really delve in back to the expressive arts of you know, songwriting, of singing, of dancing, of just journaling and writing and poetry. And it's a very uncomfortable feeling. Mm. Grief is something we don't like to feel. So part of that grief is really the acceptance of this very hard, uncomfortable emotion. Yeah, we don't like grief. I mean, who does? Who's like, yeah, I get to feel bad right now. This mm-hmm. is horrible. This is devastating. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm feeling this weight of pain. I mean, no one wants that. But I love that you're making the argument that grief is part of being a human. And in other mm-hmm. traditions, other cultures have probably better methods for moving through grief because they permit more of the expression Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. in our culture. I don't think we as Americans are particularly good at grief. No, no, no. We're very good at consuming (laughs) and (laughs) and externalizing and going on to the the next event, the next activity. That's why I think this is definitely a struggle. And it's a struggle that I'm seeing right now, even within all my sessions, where they want kind of like a new answer. Mm. <laughs> or they want a different answer. Like, no, Kate, don't tell me about acceptance. Don't tell me about coping. <laughs> like, no, how do I not experience this? How do we make things go back to the way it was? Mm. And really, we we can't. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I think also why grief is so hard, but also so important is I feel like grief is probably one of the hardest feelings to feel and accept. But what it does is because you're in that depth of that feeling, that intense emotion, 
what usually happens is then we are put in a place to really ask the deepest questions about who we are and what our purpose is. Ooh, yeah, that's deep. And I'm sensing what's coming up for me, and I'm curious if you're hearing any of this from your clients or yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a fear that's under that I'm sensing very strongly because people out there that I'm connecting with on social media and the ways that we're connecting, some are saying, much like what you're saying, this is a, a moment that is going to teach us something about who we are, what we're about, and we won't emerge the same. Mm-hmm. Which on one hand, I'm good with, because I know that we absolutely will want to take whatever messages and learning points we can from this. But there's the fear of people saying, we won't be the same. And I'm going, but I liked how things were. Right. <laughs> and maybe mm-hmm. that's me. And maybe some people who are a little bit more wise than me are saying, yeah, there were things that were good about the way we were, but there are things that could be better, which of course I am always about becoming better and the best version of ourselves individually and collectively Mm -hmm. as we can. But I'm a little nervous that there were things I liked that were in place that maybe aren't going to go back to the way they were. Oh, definitely. Grief, and especially if we allow that grief to move through, it does change us. Yeah. It does. And, you know, old things will maybe pass away and new things will come regarding that. And now is the time to use this time to reflect, reflect and pause and notice you know, what worked before? Great. Okay. I'm going to continue to have that be a part of my life moving forward, but maybe this is a time I can really be honest with myself. What wasn't going well? What do I need to change? And what did I need to change? What kind of paradigm or worldview do I need to change as I move forward from this experience? And that may grow and shift as time goes on with this. Yeah. I'm curious about the listener as they're listening to this. What are the concrete elements of their lives that they may want to, like you said, reflect upon and then perhaps make some intentional choices to move differently in the future? Do you have any personally that you've reflected on? Well, kind of like I was saying in the beginning, I think now is the time to go back to expressive arts and to reflection. And I feel like that's something our culture doesn't do well. Yeah. And so when I say that reflection... Maybe it means, you know, prayer for you. Maybe it means meditation. Maybe it means just journaling. Maybe it means deep listening to some really, you know, sorrowful morning music, you know, that you can just feel your feelings too. Again, these aren't really new answers, right? Mm -hmm. But it's bringing us back to these things and the importance of these things through, you know, that's been used for years and centuries to help us move through emotions. Yeah, I've been thinking about you and I've been writing my Instagram posts because we had talked about you are sensing that clients are looking for the formula to manage COVID Mm -hmm. (laughs) and believing, like you said earlier, that, hey, isn't there a new recipe or new -hmm. set of strategies and techniques to manage COVID, but really it's all the same, which is why I wanted to really establish a foundation of the Mm -hmm. grief that's going on. And for those listeners who maybe aren't familiar, Mm -hmm. but grief really, we talk about these stages of grief, Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, which include denial. And it's really, denial is in place when we hear bad news, like a global pandemic. It provides us an emotional buffer before we can accept the information because we psychologically can't handle it. I mean, you think Mm -hmm. of someone says something that's terrifying news or just a horrible, tragic death, and you hear that the first thing out of your mouth is, no, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always the first, no, 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 this can't be. Right. Mm-hmm. And that denial that I experienced with this whole mm-hmm. global pandemic when the first murmurings of this happening in China, and I mm-hmm. thought, it's all overblown. It's going to be fine. It's going to be, <laughs> that's just my right. coping method. So no, totally. I, that, that first stage, I re- I'm really pretty good at that one. And then there's anger, <laughs> bargaining, depression, and then acceptance, which Kubler-Ross I think initially she assumed that there might be a trajectory that went in that specific order, but recent research and Mm -hmm. others have said, you know, it's very common to experience all these emotions Mm -hmm. and not necessarily in any set progression. Right. And you can go from sadness and then over to anger and then bounce over to acceptance for a minute and then bounce back to denial. Within the same hour, within (laughs) within 10 minutes. Right. I mean, that is that is grief. Yeah. And so I think that's helpful for folks who might be going, gosh, why am I feeling all these things, all the things? Right. And yeah, just mm-hmm. to recognize that that grief is is underlying it all, but it's also grief is complex. There's a lot of different elements to it that it would yes. be perfectly normal and actually would be abnormal not to be feeling these things right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, this is stress also upon our body, emotional stress mm-hmm. and the stress part of the brain is going to respond in the fight, the flight, or the freeze. And that can manifest in a whole bunch of different ways. And acting out in anger at your partner or Mm. someone that you love during this time, it can mean really withdrawing, freezing, right? Like going in and avoiding and or maybe running away, avoiding talking to anyone or just really withdrawing from the world. So I think to really just be open and curious about how how you are going to respond to this. This is a new, new experience that none of us have experienced. And we're all going through this at the same time. And to just really be open and to notice maybe how you are really grieving this, but to really kind of go to a place of self-compassion because, you know, like you were even saying, this is, these are normal reactions to an abnormal situation. Yeah. And that really leads me to my second GR, Grace. Yes. Yes. And I was, you know, hint, hint, I was kind of going there. (laughs) (laughs) You were providing the segue. Yes. With your self-compassion. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So having grace for others who may be on edge, who are responding differently than we would expect them to, because again, we're used to interacting with people who we've known for years and we've known them not during global pandemic times. We've known them during (laughs) normal times. And so the grace for others and then, of course, ourselves with the self-compassion piece. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah. And you know what? I I was kind of more focusing on the self-compassion piece Mm -hmm. being, and I always like to say this when I talk to clients about self-compassion, is really just, I call it the kind of best friend pep talk. So really just focusing on the self-talk that's happening. What would your what would your best friend say to you right now during this situation? Mm-hmm. And then we get into all those very loving, caring ways of looking at the situation and how you're handling it, right? We tend to be our, our biggest critics. Right. But, you know, the best friend would say, you know what, you're doing the best you can. Keep going. Take your time. Mm-hmm. Take space. So for me, grace is really kind of that self-compassion and also then allowing that for others, maybe giving others the benefit of the doubt. It's just one of those things, like you said, just trying to lean into that and have those voices in our head. You know, of course, Dr. Hayes calls it the dictator within 
And that dictator within may hear messages that, oh, according to the folks on social media, I'm supposed to write my next book during this time. I got to make the most of this quarantine, right? right? Or Mm -hmm. putting that pressure on yourself when even if you had, say, six weeks, if this ends up being six weeks, and it could be longer, who knows? Mm -hmm. But if you had six weeks of time where some other distractions in life were removed, that's not the same thing as being six weeks cooped up, quarantined, never know what's going to happen. We don't know if a family member is going to get this. We don't know how many people are going to die. Like That is not the same reality as like a six-week getaway to work on your next book. <laughs> right. This is, this is trauma right. time. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so true. Just um, speaking to what you just said, it's so funny with, you know, being productive and all that. I even just personally, I noticed myself even being like, oh, I should really do this or I really should do that. And I stopped myself and I was like, wait a second. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to today, right. you know, like kind of really reframing of the fact this is a, a pause and it's a deep pause. And there's a lot like you were just saying, a lot of uncertainty. And so taking moment by moment with that compassion, with pressure or productivity. Mm-hmm. Again, it, it was interesting about all these GRs, right? Is they're all kind of interconnected, right? Yeah. And just really coming back and reflecting to a part of, you know, what are my values and what have my values been? Mm-hmm. And do I want to rearrange some of these values? Mm-hmm. How helpful were they for me before? So I, I, I like that you speak to that pressure. Yeah, because I feel it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Remember, I'm like texting you. I'm like, I said, you need to meditate. <laughs> yeah, you did. And you got sassy. And you got That's a little it. sassy. <laughs> yeah, I said, ain't nobody got time for that. And then you sent me this meme. And it's an old Zen saying, you should sit in meditation for 20 minutes a day, unless you're too busy. Then you should sit for an hour. Right, right. <laughs> like, ooh, busted. <laughs> right, right. That's so funny. So true. Yeah. yeah. Giving ourselves a little grace, self-compassion. I'm a big fan now in my life. When I was younger, I resisted such things because I was more rigid in my thinking. I was less psychologically flexible. Ooh. Yes. Uh, and I was more rigid and I would say a crisis is a crisis and it's bad and it's horrible. And I didn't look for and really acknowledge often that in the midst of every crisis is an opportunity. So one opportunity here, like you're saying, is to get curious with yourself, get curious with your response, find some ways to be compassionate with your own response. And then, like you said, a little opportunity for some values clarification. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The Perfector takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. So my next GR is grit. Yes. And again, looking for opportunities in the midst of crisis, there is always the opportunity, actually, whether you want it or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> crisis and trauma and circumstances that we would prefer not to have always provides us with grit development. 
Yes. And I looked up and it's passion and perseverance for long-term meaningful goals. Mm. And I thought that was so cool. And I was like, yes, I knew there would be act within this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I, what I actually came up with for grit was in acceptance commitment therapy, we do this exercise called the obituary exercise. Mm. So how do you want to be remembered? So it's kind of a values clarification of what matters to you. And so basically what you're doing is you're envisioning how you would want people to speak of you at your memorial, right? What did you stand for? Identify, you know, the main questions that life asked you and how you responded. Write about mm. the type of person you were how you will be remembered and what you stood for in life and write it in a style that reflects the type of person you were let go after all you're already dead. Right. So it's kind of making it a, yeah. a funny thing, but um, you know, list the people you would be leaving behind and those who you will miss the most Mention the people you helped. So all of those things, again, kind of gets to the core of who we want to be. Right. So if we're looking mm. at our death, we are looking back on our life and hopefully hoping those are the things that we lived for. And another way to do it is what kind of obituary would you hate to write, right? Mm -hmm. So herein lies, you know, so-and-so, he took few risks and so made very few mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's another mm -hmm. clarifying question to ask. And so I think with the grit, really underlying that what matters to you, what gets you passionate in life? and allows you to move through and move through things to a valued action. I love valued action. I love that. Mm -hmm. Just as you're talking, I'm just thinking about how we all struggle with finding that motivation, right? We say we care about this. We say we care about that. But we oftentimes our behavior doesn't match up, except with this values clarification exercises yeah. and a reflection the, the motivation becomes much more natural because totally. every action is like you said, it's, it's inspired by those values mm -hmm. and we've, we've clarified and owned them as ours. Definitely. So we, it just helps with the motivation piece because it's just a reminder like, wait, no, this is meaningful to me. Remember I established mm -hmm. it's meaningful to me. And it's always in flux. If you just, if you decide it's not meaningful, mm -hmm. you're absolutely free to pivot. But in that moment, it helps you continue on to move toward those behaviors and those goals, whatever they are, that we care about. And I love it because it's just Definitely. more honest, authentic, and genuine. Definitely. And as we're talking and we've been going through each of these GRs, I'm noticing there is kind of like a theme of kind of like this reflection, right? Like I'm kind of asking you again to reflect, like reflect on yeah. your values, ref reflect on your passions, it can help you through this grieving process, through having grace for yourself and others to align with that passion and perseverance for those long-term goals that maybe you have. I love that, just reflecting on all of them. And that's kind of leads us to the next one. Mm -hmm. The next GR is growth, because mm -hmm. I think the grit in the moment is not fun, right? I mean, if I'm training for a race, which I would not do, because I'm not a runner, but <laughs> if I were, yeah. uh -huh. the marathon training is not fun. It's the understanding that there's a goal that will be achieved that helps me understand that the grit that I'm enduring right now has a purpose and meaning. And so I think for us now in this time of mm -hmm. COVID trauma mm -hmm. to recognize there's going to be parts of it we're going to resist. Like, I don't want this. I hate this. 
But if we can look at it a little bit meta, like get above it a bit and go, mm-hmm. I see this grit. Yeah. I recognize it's uncomfortable. I also know it's going to help me grow, which is our next GR, right? That this mm-hmm. grit will not be in vain. There will be growth that will come from it. Mm-hmm. So in that growth, there's the opportunity to say, again, I'm not trying to put pressure, but if we come out of this, for some of us, I know for someone like me, I will want to be able to go, okay, I endured the grit. There was some growth that I experienced. What's that going to look like? Kind of like what you're talking about with the epitaph, right? How am I going to look back on this season of COVID pandemic mm-hmm. and see the growth? What kind of, what would, what would growth look like for me looking now into the future, imagining myself looking back on this time, what would that growth look like? Yes. And I think part of that is, you know, looking towards that future when that, when it comes is making smart goals. Mm-hmm. And what that would mean is getting specific yep. and measurable and achievable, relevant and time bound. And it's probably the easiest way to go about, side note, I did look that up. <laughs> That's okay. It's not like we all come up with this stuff. Know, as long right? as we give credit. Do we have a citation we need to mention right. here, Kate? You know about oh, me and pleasure. I know you are. Right? I know. <laughs> smartsheet.com. There you go. Okay, great. So smartsheet.com, what does the SMART acronym stand for? Like I just said, the specific, the measurable, the achievable, the relevant, and time-bound. So yeah. And for someone like me, I know that I can go through some Netflix and binge like everyone is right now, which absolutely yay for technology that allows Mm -hmm. us to get some distraction from this, a bit of a break, an emotional, psychological break. Also for me, however, Mm -hmm. if I were just to spend six weeks nonstop Netflix watching, I know I would leave Mm -hmm. this time feeling that it didn't provide the opportunity for growth that it could have. So I love this idea that you're bringing in goals. It's not a GR though, Kate. So I don't know how do we <laughs> Well, no, no. I mean, to, to grow from maybe those new values or passions that we want, that we've kind of discovered as we ref- reflected, we can grow, right? Yeah. You know, maybe we want to set goals for ourselves so that we can grow. Or some people do maybe just sit and, you know, maybe just binge and binge and binge and binge for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think it's really important to notice that through this time and through the grief, allow yourself to feel, but I think also to not get stuck. And that's when it can become a problem. If we are just doing the same thing day after day after day, you know, just staying in our room or just withdrawing or isolating from people. That's fine to have those moments and allowance for feeling feelings. But when we get stuck in them is when it can really become a pattern and becomes unhelpful for us and really then can become, you know, a mental health issue. And Kate, then I would ask, I'm thinking of a listener going, well, wait, how do I know there's a tension there, isn't there? It's it's how do I know that when it's okay to just let myself be because this is traumatic. And when is it, hey, I'm kind of stuck in a rut now because it's my seventh Netflix series that I've binged on. And maybe I do need to kind of come up for air here. Well, I think there is probably a sense of awareness for people that, ooh, I'm feeling really unmotivated, or I'm really starting to notice some hopeless thoughts come in. I'm really starting to notice a pattern of thinking that's really kind of dark and stuck. And that's when I would say, okay, it might be time to change it up. And Mm -hmm. some people in general have a practice of, you know, allowing themselves a certain amount of time, right? Like I'm going to allow myself 
this day to be really sad and really yeah. upset about this. And then tomorrow, getting on my routine. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, the frequency, right? So the frequency mm -hmm. and the intensity is when you should start noticing and maybe reaching out for help. So mm -hmm. frequency and, and intensity of, you know, maybe lashing out at people or staying in and isolating. What's the frequency of that? What's the intensity of that? And then from there, reaching out for help if, if you need to, to a mental health professional. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen, that's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Live tweet with me when I watch my favorite shows, Will and Grace, my brand new fave, God Friended Me. And of course, all shows Bachelor Nation. Join me on Facebook where I'm stepping up my Facebook Live game. I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. So another technique that I think is one that I'm sure you've talked with your clients about because it's one that always works, but I'm sure your clients are wanting to know the COVID version of it, not sure that there is a COVID version of it, <laughs> but is to find yeah. ways to remain grounded. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. It's being present fully in the moment with all your senses. And one of the one of the main um, ones that I go to for grounding, a grounding technique is the three, two, one with my clients. And so it's basically three things you see, three things you hear, three things that you can touch and describe. And then you go down to two things you see, two things you hear, two things you can touch and describe. And then you go to one, one thing you see, one thing you hear, and one thing you can touch and describe. And so what that does is that gets us into three of our senses, at least, mm -hmm. to really kind of bring us back and back into our body. Mm -hmm. And just for someone who's not fully aware of what, what that is supposed to do for us, it would be someone who's in their head, maybe out in the future, freaking out about what's going to happen a year from now or what's going to happen next week mm -hmm. if COVID shows up in their community. Well, yeah. So what, what's really happening is, again, it's taking us from our fear center of the brain to mm -hmm. the prefrontal cortex and all of our senses and being able to regulate our emotions. And, you know, again, when we're out of that fear center of the brain, we're able to make more rational decisions for ourselves and be able to act in a more meaningful, valued action way. I love that. I love these tangible techniques because that's one that three, two, one, so easy to remember mm -hmm. and you can use it anytime mm -hmm. you're driving down the highway and you start oh, totally. catching your thoughts, mm -hmm. getting way out ahead and, and getting mm -hmm. you keyed up into that place of fear. Mm -hmm. Or if you're home and you're walking around your apartment and finding mm -hmm. yourself really in that, mm -hmm. in that place of anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. We got to ground ourselves during COVID. We got to ground ourselves at any point in life. There's always the potential to freak out. I mean, really, there is. I mean, we could sit and stew and ruminate and get ourselves into a, a tizzy or we could choose the path of being grounded. And again, I love that you're bringing act into it that and in doing so, we bring ourselves back to really who we are. We're not meant to be living in utter fear at all times. It's part. Of, it's partly the way we're wired because it's protective. Mm -hmm. you know, your brain goes into anxiety mode because your brain's like, hey, things are happening. There's a pandemic. Would you get with the program? And mm -hmm. it's trying to protect you. Like, right. you got to freak out right now, Kate. You got to freak out right now, Karen, <laughs> because stuff's going down mm -hmm. on this planet. 
And so it's really coming from a place of protection, but we have to go, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Thank you for your, thank you for weighing in. Yeah. yeah. Def- oh, definitely. And to really also just recognize, am I safe right now? Am I okay in my home right now? And for some people that is a yes. You know, I have a refrigerator stocked, you know, I have my lights on, I have my heat if I need that. I have a warm bed. And, you know, I have the ability to connect with people via technology. Some people don't have that. Yeah. Some people aren't feeling safe right now. Maybe home is not a safe place for them mm-hmm. for whatever reason that is. I think segueing into, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm even just doing this naturally. I'm like, wow, is yeah. just that gratitude of really yeah. just taking stock and recognizing, oh my gosh, I'm... And it's valid, right? That this is a stress and this is a huge change from my normal day-to-day life. But really, am I safe? Yes. Am I okay? Yes. Do I have access to food? Yes. But not everyone does. Mm -hmm. And really being grateful for those things. Mm -hmm. Perfect segue to my final GR, Mm -hmm. gratitude, which Mm -hmm. I shared on Instagram this week. I was looking at some of the research on gratitude and anxiety because I wanted to share that. Just like with gratitude and depression, we find that the more grateful we are, the less likely we are to feel depressed and to feel anxious. And there was this great study that I shared, and I'll share it here, that uh, was done with a group of students at a university who had all gone to the counseling center to look for some services. Some were depressed, some were anxious. And they did a study with these students and they had three different groups. All three of the groups got the psychological services from the counseling center. And then one group, that's all they got was the therapy. The second group was asked to, on top of the therapy, was asked to do some in-depth journaling about uh, something negative that had happened and try to process it through journaling. And then the third group was asked simply to write a thank you letter, a letter of gratitude, one per week. And they did it for three weeks was all. Three months later, the group that showed the best results was in fact the group that was writing the gratitude letter. And they found that they were happier, less depressed, less anxious, even three months out. So just writing one letter of thankfulness each week for three weeks showed that kind of result. And I thought, oh my gosh, we just have to lean into the power of gratitude, even in the midst of anxiety that's unprecedented for most of us. I love that. That's great. I love that study. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's a, again, another tangible way to take charge of a situation that feels very much out of our control. There are things that are within our control that we can do, which is why I wanted to go through these GRs together, Kate. So thank you for joining me. Yes, thanks for having me. And where can people find you if they want to connect with you and get a little more Kate goodness? Yes, I have my practice is North Star Restorative Counseling. And you can email NorthStarRestorativeCounseling at gmail.com is where you can reach me if you have any questions. I also do have Kate underscore Lambie underscore LCPC on Instagram if you'd like to connect. Great. Thanks again for joining me. Appreciate it. Hope to see you soon. Definitely. (laughs) I know. Or, you know, we'll just have to have another another happy hour uh, via Zoom. Yep. The Zoom happy hours have been a saving grace. That's a fact. Definitely. (laughs) Keeping friends connected. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now for the love in the time of Corona Q&A. The question is about boundaries. 
and expectations. Can we have the same expectations in the midst of a global pandemic? Hey, Dr. Karen, I have a question for you. I met someone just prior to um, everything happening with COVID and us having to have a stay-at-home order here in our home state of West Virginia. And we seem to be really interested in each other. We actually had our first date at a Starbucks going through a drive-thru and then sitting across from each other on a bench, which was it's kind of nice because at least we did get to meet in person. We seem to be interested in each other and conversations were you know, continuing to be um, pretty regular after we met. He is in a very high stressful situation because he wasn't laid off from his job, but he's having to carry a huge, tremendous amount of workload. And I know that's been stressing him a lot. So my question is this, you know, normally I would be setting my own boundaries about being inconsistent with his conversations with me. And he's kind of went a little MIA. So normally I would just kind of let that go and just move on. But in light of everything that's going on, I don't know if I should give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that maybe he's putting up an emotional wall. I don't want to have the distraction of sitting around waiting for somebody to finally reach me back, but I would like to have some clarity and he's just not responding to me. So should I just kind of maybe make this an exception to the rule or should I just stay consistent, set my boundaries and move on? Because if he's not going to communicate with me now, then this could be a sign for something later. You know, I just don't, I don't want to not have empathy, but at the same time, I don't want to set the bar too low on what I expect from a potential relationship. Thanks for your time. I look forward to um, hearing your next show soon. Bye. I love this question because what I'm hearing is that you have standards and expectations for how you want to be treated and the communication that you expect to have in the beginning of a relationship. And that's fantastic. When we're dating, we are observing, we are watching, we are just letting this person show us who they are without trying to project onto them who we hope they are going to be. And that's a very, very important distinction. So I love that you have these standards in place and you said things were going pretty well at the beginning and then now the communication has dropped off a bit and you're concerned that maybe it's because his job is extra stressful, perhaps because of pandemic realities. And you mentioned you don't want to be unempathic about his workload and what might be going on with him. At the same time, you don't want to lower the bar, which I really appreciate. So ultimately, you're saying that he's not responding to you currently. So because that's where he is now, my recommendation would be to just sit back and see what happens. It is hard to judge someone's normal behavior by how they behave during a pandemic. At the same time, we are learning a lot about each other because part of dating is seeing how people handle very stressful situations. So in a way, we are seeing how each other behaves when things are intense and dire and confusing and chaotic. So it's this odd experience of dating while social distancing and yet seeing a side of the person that oftentimes isn't revealed until we're many months in or even years in. So getting back to you two, does this mean that he is the type of man who, when stressed and under pressure, is going to recoil and pull away from you? 
Is that what he is demonstrating now? And would that be the case if you were to get together and be a legit couple? It's really hard to say if this is indicative of how things would be if you two were together in a relationship. So basically, two things could be going on. One, he could be done and he's pulling away because he's done. Or two, this could be his response to being super overwhelmed at work and all the stress he's under and the global pandemic reality we're all facing. And he may be the type of man who pulls back at times like these. And he'll be more emotionally available when things settle down. And this is your chance to say, does that work for me or does it not? But moving forward for you, since he's not responding, like I said, I would pull back, keep pursuing other relationships with other guys to see what might happen there. And if he comes back to you, you're in the driver's seat. You have every right to decide that this isn't the way that you want to go about things in a relationship, or you can decide, okay, based on what I know about him and based on this extraordinarily unusual time that we're in, If he does approach you again, you could decide at that point whether or not you wanted to give him another chance. It's completely up to you. Personally, if I were dating during the time of Corona, I wouldn't make any major commitments in any direction. I wouldn't decide to become exclusive with anyone, nor would I cut anyone out entirely. I think I'd have a bit of a holding pattern in place during this extraordinarily unusual time. The love and life hack for this week is remember the six G's of quarantining. We're grieving. Give grace. Recognize that grit produces growth. Stay grounded and practice gratitude. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. As always, thank you so much for joining me this week. I so appreciate all of you who subscribe to the podcast and share episodes with others. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.